I'm going to turn to God's Word now and continue in the, the book of uh, the letter of James. Uh, written in the first century, the Christians scattered from Jerusalem uh, up against all sorts of opposition. <clears throat> uh, and yet James doesn't uh, let them just face the opposition and sort of wallow in their, their, uh, the oppression they're facing. He wants to challenge them about their, their Christian walk uh, as well. And so we're in, in this morning, James uh, chapter 3. And you'll be familiar with the um, little children's rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. Uh, and of course we know that's not true at all. And in fact, words can have a, a, an even greater effect than, uh, than a physical uh, hurt or harm. Uh, physical injuries will heal, uh, but, but wounds caused by, by a harsh word or, or, or someone's, uh, something they've said or, or written can, can take a long time to heal, can really have, have an effect on us. And in today's world, it's not just things that we say, but things that we tweet or, or put on uh, Facebook or social media in s- some shape or form. Very easy to say something harsh, something hasty, something that uh, is really uh, hurtful. Uh, Jonathan Ross, the, the journalist, wrote a book called Why Do I Say These Things? Uh, you, you may have thought that. I'm sure you have. I've thought it many times. Why, why did I say that? Why did it not just keep quiet? Uh, and certainly this sermon is a very good example of, of that. I'll phrase, physician, heal thyself, because I'm the world's worst uh, at speaking out before I've, I've thought. Uh, but I know I'm not alone. Because you know it's something we, we all suffer from. It's a problem we all uh, fall, fall into, that, that we're quick uh, to speak and to say things that, that we, we shouldn't say. Abraham Lincoln, who was the 16th U.S. president, said, I would rather remain silent and be thought a fool than speak up and remove all doubt. Um, some other presidents could probably follow his advice. But uh, anyway, th- that's not the real danger. The real danger is not of uh, being seen as foolish, although sometimes we are when, when we speak out of turn. The real danger is the harm that our words uh, can do. And, and James' little letter is very much about a practical Christian uh, living, uh, how our faith should work out in practice. Uh, and he uh, focuses in on the tongue, and he says a, a lot about it. We've already read a few weeks ago in, in James chapter 1, uh, where he says, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, his religion is worthless. Uh, and here he now begins to expand a bit on that. He introduces several themes in chapter 1, and then later in the letter, he goes into them in even more detail. And, and this morning, we're going to look at what he says about our tongues. But chapter 3 begins with a, a rather disconcerting warning to teachers, certainly if you're standing where I'm standing now, where James says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Uh, because teaching God's word incorrectly can do great harm. We have to be careful as we teach, whether you're teaching here, whether you're teaching in junior church or in youth group or a home group or whatever. We have to be careful as we teach that we teach God's word correctly. So with that in mind, let's pray as we turn to God's word and ask him to speak to us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this letter written by uh, the very brother of Jesus. Uh, and I pray that you help me as I teach and help us all as we listen to understand, uh, to take these truths into our hearts and to put them into practice in our lives, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, why does James devote uh, such a big part of his letter uh, to the tongue? Well, let's read it and see. We're going to read the first 12 verses of chapter 3 of James' letter. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. 
We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we could turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a word of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's image. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And we see there uh, some words very similar to the words that that Jane was sharing with us uh, in the the children's talk earlier. And thanks to Jane for for her message, which is very much in in line with what we're looking at now. Well, why does James devote such time to the tongue? Well, first of all, because the tongue is powerful. It's very powerful. And he gives two illustrations to emphasize this. First of all, he speaks about a horse, uh, the horse and the bit. Uh, I've only been on a horse once that I can remember, and it was in one of these pony tracking things. Things down by Castle Wellen, and it was very. They called it a pony. It's a very big pony. It was a mighty big horse, the size of an elephant, uh, and I was not particularly happy on that horse because it didn't seem to do anything I wanted it to do. It seemed to do exactly what it wanted. Uh, I didn't feel I was in control at all, and it seemed a pretty big animal compared to me. But apparently, if you know what you're doing. Uh, you can use the reins, and the wee bit that's in the horse's mouth uh, will, will show the horse what you want it to do. Uh, and you can control a very big animal by something uh, very, very small uh, in comparison to it. And then he says, think about a ship and a rudder. This is the, the U.S. Uh, aircraft carrier, the USS Eisenhower, one of the biggest uh, military ships in the world. 95,000 tons, uh, and yet it manages to float. Uh, it's got a crew of more than 6,000 Living on on that ship uh, carries nearly 100 aircraft, yet it can be turned by a rudder, which is, by comparison to the size of the ship, very, very tiny. Uh, The the captain or whoever's steering can control that whole ship through this rudder. Very tiny, but yet kind of a powerful effect, just like the bit. And that's what James says our tongues are like. Likewise, the tongue, verse 5, the tongue is a small part of our body, but it makes great boasts. The power of our tongue is out of proportion its size. It is far more powerful uh, than any other part of our body for being such a small part. And not only is the tongue powerful, but uh, it's destructive. See it down in verses 5 and, and verse uh, verse 8. And James gives two more illustrations. He always wants to illustrate what he's teaching. He always wants people to try and understand it, to make it uh, clear to them. We know that uh, the forest fire, this is one of the fires in California just this year, they could be set on fire. A huge fire could be set, uh, uh, begun by just maybe a, a careless somebody throwing down a cigarette butt or, or a spark. Tiny spark can cause a huge, devastating fire uh, near at home. Remember, the, uh, the Primark building was burnt down not that long ago uh, by the careless use of a, a welding torch or something with some, some of the, the, the people working on it. 
And a small amount of just a small spark can cause a devastating fire. Uh, and similarly, uh, James speaks of poison. A tiny amount of poison can have a devastating effect. Uh, this is the, the Australian box jellyfish. Sometimes the jelly bit is only about one uh, cubic centimeter, tiny wee jellyfish, but a sting can be fatal within two minutes. Very, very, very venomous. Uh, or, or you remember not terribly long ago the, the Salisbury poisonings. Remember that uh, when that Novichok nerve agent was uh, just pasted on a door handle? Uh, it caused three people to be very, very critically ill, and in fact, one person died. Uh, very small amounts of, of poison can have a devastating effect. And James again says that that's like our, our tongues. Careless, hurtful, harmful words can do great damage. Just like a, a tiny spark can set off the fire, a tiny amount of poison can have a huge effect. Here are a couple of the World War uh, II posters. I can't remember these, I hasten to say, but some of you might remember them. Tittle Tattle lost the battle. Loose lips sink ships. Careless talk costs lives. There were a whole lot of them. Careless words said in the wrong, at the wrong time in the wrong company can have a great effect. The tongue can be very, very destructive. And James describes it as a world of evil. A world of evil. He, he, he doesn't mince his words here. He says... With our tongues, we can do great damage. They can uh, corrupt the whole person, verse 6. And not only that, but they can change the whole course of life. Their effect can, can affect, they can affect the whole body. They can affect someone completely. And for a long time, for the whole course of life, something we say can have a real long-lasting effect on, on someone else. And so James uh, concludes that uh, the tongue is actually set on fire by hell. It's set on fire by hell. He says, uh, the tongue is one of G- uh, uh, um, Satan's real weapons that he can use uh, to, to destroy our witness, to destroy our, our Christians' lives, our Christian life. One, one of the great weapons that he has because he knows uh, how difficult we find it to control our tongues. And he's not finished yet. In fact, he goes on to say, the tongue is actually uncontrollable. Um, he says in, in verse 8 there, no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil. Uh, all sorts of animals have been tamed. Uh, people can tame whales and dolphins and parrots and yeah, get animals to balance things in their nose and, uh, and whatnot. Even some very fierce ones, like, like this lion, people can tame uh, very fierce animals. But James says no one has managed to tame the tongue. We, we can tame all sorts of very uh, big, powerful animals, but we can't tame uh, the tongue. So he says the tongue's powerful. It can be destructive. Uh, it's beyond our ability to control it. And then he says, the tongue also tells a lot about the speaker. This is coming right to what, what, what uh, Gian was teaching the, the, the children earlier, and all of us indeed. Apparently a doctor can tell quite a lot about your state of health by just looking at your tongue. It can reveal things that, that are wrong with you. And similarly, what, what we say, or what we tweet, or what we post on, on Facebook, or, or write, or, or whatever, reveals an awful lot about what's going on in our hearts. It's easy to say the right things on, on Sunday. It's easy to sing the right words, or at least when we're allowed to sing. It's easy to take part, part in the service. And then with our same tongue, we can go out and, and speak badly of someone. We can go out and, and misuse that tongue Monday morning, back in work, or, or wherever. Uh, criticism, or gossip, or exaggeration, or just harsh words, a harsh reply. And James says, my brothers and sisters, verse 10, this should not be. 
And he used a little Greek word there, the word cray. It's the only use in the whole of the New Testament. And it has the idea of this is intrinsically not right. This is a contradiction in terms. This is just self-contradictory. It just should not be. This should not be able to happen. And he then uses another example of a spring of water. And he says, a spring of water will either produce good water, fresh water to drink, or uh, salty or bitter water, water that can't be drunk. He says, a spring cannot produce good water and bad water. It's, it's impossible. One day it won't be good water and the next day salty water. It will either be good water or, or, or not. And he says, that, that should be the same with, with us. It shouldn't be possible to use your tongue to praise God uh, and the next minute or the next day to use that same tongue uh, to put down s- someone else. Uh, a, a spring cannot produce fresh water uh, if it's a salty spring. And, uh, uh, and the water that, that comes is, is determined by, by the source of the spring. Um, it'll be either one or the other. Uh, and just as we were hearing earlier, a, a tree will only produce fruit if, if it's a good tree. A bad tree cannot produce good fruit. And a good tree can't produce bad fruit. And James says that. He says uh, the fruit that a tree bears is by nature of, of the tree. You get olives from an olive tree. You don't get anything else. And you shouldn't get anything else. And yet, he says, we often use our tongue in these contradictory ways. It just, it just shouldn't be. We know it shouldn't be, but, but what we do. And it must have been a problem that was faced by the, the, the Christians right back in the first century because James emphasized it so much. It's not something new to us. It's not something that's come with the Twitter age or the, the Facebook age. This is just something in our human nature that makes us so quick to use our tongues uh, badly and wrongly. That's why he says they're full of deadly poison. They're, they're, they're set on fire by hell itself. They're used by, by, by Satan. Well, seems like a, a pretty hopeless situation, doesn't it? Um, in the light of verse 8, where he says, no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. So if, that, if that's the case, well, what, what, what can we do about it? What can we do? Well, uh, again, we heard this, word, this uh, verse read, read earlier in the children's talk there. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what we say or write or, or tweet or, or whatever is a reflection of what's inside. What, what comes out uh, in our words or our writing is actually a, reflect, a reflection of what's going on. The same way the doctor can look at the tongue and see something else going on inside. Uh, it's a reflection of what's happening inside us. And so what do we need, first of all? Well, if our mouth speaks out of the overflow of our hearts, what what we need is a new heart. We don't start by dealing with the tongue. We start by dealing uh, with with the heart. A a doctor will will, will deal with the the cause of an illness. And by dealing with the cause of an illness, that will uh, then begin to alleviate the symptoms. You've got to deal with with the source of the problem. We have to recognize, first of all, that we all need forgiveness. We need cleansing from that sin which spoils our hearts, which gives us hearts that are far from God. And we need to recognize that we need forgiveness. We need to turn to God and ask for forgiveness and ask him uh, to cleanse us. Uh, God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel to his people way back in the Old Testament said this. He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. God said, I I can change you. I I have the ability to change you right into an, an exile. And, of course, we know that at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Uh, that, that same Spirit, which Ezekiel wrote about, was poured out on the believers, and the early believers. And, and tongues were actually very prominent in that day uh, in Jerusalem. We, we, we read in Acts, what seemed to be tongues of fire came to rest on each of them. 
And then the, the believers <clears throat> began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So these ordinary people uh, like you and me were transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so, for example, Peter, who was uh, afraid to confess that he knew Jesus when he was challenged by the little servant girl uh, when Jesus was on trial, he was then out preaching to crowds of people, proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ, is the Messiah, transformed by the Holy Spirit. And we may not have a similar experience to those believers in the day of Pentecost, but that same transformation can take place in our hearts. It's, it's opened us and we need to recognize our need. If, if we find it hard to live that, a life that's pleasing to God, maybe we need to go, to go back and to ask, whether for the first time or, or uh, whether for the umpteenth time, that God will, will cleanse our hearts uh, and will renew us and refresh us from within. Allow God's Holy Spirit to, to control our lives uh, and to give us that self-control which we need. Ultimately, what we need to control our tongues is, is what we call self-control, uh, something which we are very bad at, we are very poor at, uh, and in and of ourselves we can't manage. But, of course, Paul, writing to the, the Galatians, said the fruit of the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit whom Ezekiel promised, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if that is what our lives are like, and if that's what our heart is like, then that will be reflected in the way we speak. And so this problem, which, which must have been an issue in the first century for believers and still is an issue for us today, is one which only God can deal with. Uh, we can't deal with it ourselves. We, we can't control our tongues. That, that's, what, that's what James says. We can't control our tongues. We need to allow God to help us to change our lives. And one result of that will be our, our tongues uh, being changed and our words and our speech being changed. Again, writing to the Colossians, Paul said, Let your conversation be always full of grace. I wonder if you, you think of your conversation, your words, uh, what you write, what you say. Is it always full of grace? Uh, I wish I could say mine it was, but I know I can't. And I know if, if we're honest, very few of us can conversation and our words are often harsh, often hurtful, often harmful. If we go right back to the start of our passage there, we didn't read verse 2, or we didn't look at verse 2, where James says, if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is perfect, able to keep his whole body in check. And perfect there has the idea of maturity. If you can control your tongue, the degree to which you can control your tongue is a measure of your maturity in the faith. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 10, 20, 30 years. How you control your tongue is a measure of how much God has been able to change you inside, how much you've allowed him to change you inside. We will all stumble. Verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. And that simply means we all make mistakes. We're all works in progress. But a sure sign that God is at work in us is that we've learned to control our tongues with his help. And a sure sign that we are far from God is if our tongues are used in destructive hurtful uh, ways that damage others. Sam Aubrey uh, commentates in this passage, he comments that the tongue is something of a spiritual barometer. It shows what's really going on inside. You see, no one can tame the tongue, but with God's help we can use to learn it well. We will never tame it completely. We will never be free from that temptation to say the harsh word, the hasty word. Uh, but if we fail to allow God 
to help us, then it says a lot about our faith. Right back to chapter 1, verse 26. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein in his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. You see, it's very easy to respond to challenges. It's very easy to respond to criticism uh, with a harsh word. It's very easy to stand up and defend ourselves and to give as good as we get. Remember Jesus when he was on trial and he's being questioned by Pilate and the chief priests and he didn't say anything. He could have defended himself. He could have uh, put right all the, the false accusations that were being made. But as Isaiah wrote all those years before, uh, he, he went to trial and like a, as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he didn't open his mouth because he was taking your sin and my sin. So there's the one who knows what it is to control his tongue, who knows what it is to hold back from speaking. And we as his followers have got to learn from Jesus himself and have got to allow God through his Holy Spirit to change our lives so that we can have just something of the attitude of Jesus uh, and learn to use our tongues, not not, uh, in a destructive way, not in a hurtful way, but in a way that brings blessing to others, that uh, what we say may be full of grace. So before you, you speak quickly, it's so easy to do in the spur of the moment. Somebody annoys you in a shop. Somebody in your work says something or does something. It's so easy to respond harshly. So easy to, to get on Twitter. We see it all the, all the time. People uh, respond and put all sorts of hateful comments on, on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. It's so easy to do that, to be drawn into that. That's what the world says is okay. But James says, if you're a believer and your heart has been changed, then just like that spring that shouldn't be able to produce salt water and fresh water, this just should not be. And he says, that's a mark of your faith. And that will speak to others. The way we speak to them, we'll speak of others. We will either speak of the one who has changed our hearts, or we will speak with tongues set on fire by hell that Satan uses to discredit us, to, 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 make, us, uh, to make our faith look weak, and also to bring discredit and dishonor to the God whom we claim to serve. So with God's help, we need to use our tongues to honor him. And it's not easy. It hasn't been easy for 2,000 years, obviously, because James was writing it, and we know it today. But with God's help, we need to go out into our, into our world where, where criticism and harsh words are just the norm, to live differently and to be seen to live differently so that people can see something of the transformation that God has made in our lives. Let, let's, let's pray together as we ask for God's help. Father, as we read these words, we're we're so aware of things that we've said. Uh, We're we're so aware of how easy uh, it is to misuse our tongues, uh, to speak ill or to write ill of others. Uh, And we simply ask that you will help us by your Holy Spirit to be transformed, that you will change our hearts, uh, and that you will help us uh, to always speak words that are seasoned with grace, that are full of grace so that others may see something of you in the way we live our lives day by day. We, we ask for forgiveness for when we have failed. And we, we thank you as we've already prayed today that, that when we confess our sins, you, you do forgive us. And so we ask for forgiveness. We ask for the, the help and the power of your Holy Spirit to live lives that honor you uh, and that you'll enable us to control our tongues, to have that self-control that we need. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.